If you've listened to the second season of Why They Did That, you'll recognize our sponsor for this episode. Types and Symbols, the creators of the Conflict Beautiful series, is happy to introduce a new beautiful set that they call the Life and Light Collection. Types and Symbols set out to create the most beautiful and readable edition of Steps to Christ, Thoughts from the Mount of Blessing, and Christ Object Lessons ever made. Each component of these beautifully created books was implemented with specific meaning and purpose. From the holographic foil detail to the cover design. Just as with the Conflict Beautiful series, the Life and Light collection follows the same editorial philosophy to promote an enjoyable reading experience. To stay updated on when this will be released, make sure to follow their Instagram at Types and Symbols. Do it now, quick. And there are many times where I'm like, uh, I, I don't, God, this is impossible. Mm -hmm. So Gideon is sitting there and he's looking at an army of almost 150,000 people. And he's mm -hmm. looking at who he has next to him. <laughs> and then with 300 and he's thinking like, this is never going to happen. I'm Dean Cullinane, and you're listening to Why They Did That, a show that explores the motivations of biblical characters and how their choices can guide yours. Our guest on today's show is one that I'm sure you'll remember for a long time. His name is Carlos Munoz. And as a young man growing up between New York City and Puerto Rico, Carlos, by his own admission, truly lived for the world. Now, we won't go into all the details, but trust me, he's not lying. But as everyone finds out one way or another, we were not made for this world. It does not contain that which brings true satisfaction and fulfillment and purpose. Carlos found all of these things and more when he met Jesus. And now he's devoted his life to telling everyone he meets to come and see. He has the privilege of serving as the director for the Amazing Facts Center of Evangelism, or AFCO as it's named, as well as being an evangelist for the Amazing Facts ministry. And like many that have gone before him, he is the husband of one wife. Now, Carlos and I sat down to discuss another young man that came from humble beginnings and rose to the occasion to fulfill the duty he was given by God. Everyone's favorite fleece wearer, Gideon. Gideon, at least in terms of his tribe, is the least of the least. He's young, he's timid, and not really the one you would pull out from the rest of the crowd. He's slow to believe God at first, and second. But eventually, perhaps even reluctantly, he moves forward. Against all odds, God calls Gideon to be the leader of his people's army, their judge. The foe? The Midianites, an army of over 100,000 warriors. God's army? A mere 32,000. Their backs are already up against the wall. To call them underdogs is an understatement. And just when you think things couldn't get more difficult, 
God decides that the math just isn't working out the way he would like it to. So it was time for some adjustments. When you do the numbers, it's perceived, at least from from chapter 8, that there's probably about 135,000 mm-hmm. soldiers. There's probably more, yeah. but at least recorded. Uh-huh. And if you put, I, I, I like to do the numbers, and I look 32,000, and that was about a 4 to 1 ratio. Right. You probably think that's not that bad. It's the worst. Yeah. A, a really good soldier might be able to take down 4 or 5. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and God's like, yeah, that's, the, that's exactly the problem, mm. right? You're, you're, you're looking at yourselves. Mm-hmm. You're looking at self. And he says, this war is not going to be battled. This war is not going to be fought based on your understanding, based on your numbers, based on your experience. It's going to be fought based on faith mm. and trusting completely in me. And so when I look at this, especially chapter seven, I see my own battle of faith. Mm. I see my own struggle where I'm, you know, we get confident. Once, once we have a victory, a faith victory, we right. kind of start building ourselves up and then God has to come in and knock us down. Yeah, I, I ha- I've had experience one time, I, I preached a sermon when I was starting and man, this, this church was just, woo. you know how Spanish churches are. They're just all <laughs> right. over the place. And they're like, hey man, hallelujah. They're jumping up and yeah. I'm like, woo, I'm on fire. And then I go to this other church and I'm thinking, oh man, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to preach the same sermon. I'm right. just going to rock this place. And you get the same reaction. And it was like, <laughs> it's like silence. Mm. No, it's a total opposite. Complete well, you silence. you were expecting the same reaction, Yeah, right? I was expecting the same reaction. <laughs> and so when, complete silence. And so when I'm there, I'm like, so, and God then at the end, I'm like, what happened? And he's like, I told you, it's not about you. Mm. It's about me. Yeah. Right? And so those are the steps of faith. And I'm sure that Gideon, when he saw this, as he's walking through this exam, he's like, God, are you sure about this? It's like, for, we're, we're the underdogs, God. Remember right. this. Right? So I'm sure he's trying to he's trying to uh, convince God to be like, I think we, we, this is a bad idea. Mm-hmm, right? Maybe mm-hmm. we need to reanalyze our military strategy <laughs> right. here for a second. Right. And and God says to Gideon is, is very similar what he, to what he says to Moses in Deuteronomy chapter 20, where he, he, he says, Gideon, I want you to go and stand before the people. And, and at this point, that makes sense because Gideon's the leader of this army. And so naturally the general is gonna go and give a rousing speech to get everyone mm-hmm. fired up to go to battle. Except this speech, he says, go and tell them that whoever is fearful and afraid, tell them to go home. Yep. And for me, as you said, you're looking, you're like, well, already the odds are stacked against us. Why on earth do we want people, more people to leave? And what's shocking is two thirds of their army actually say, yeah, that's me. Mm-hmm. You know, 22,000 of this 32,000, they actually do go home. Yeah. And at that point, I'm just thinking, what in the world is going on here? Yeah. And I, and I like how God, when you look at Deuteronomy chapter 20, it gives us, talks about three different categories. Mm-hmm. So if you're, if you're about to get married, go home. If you're about to got a vineyard, mm-hmm. go home. Got a house, go home. Uh, if you're afraid, go home. And it's basically what God is saying is, if your heart is not here, yeah. if this is not your priority to to fight for me, to vindicate my name, to uphold my honor in front of this, because that's really what's happening. The name of God is being blasphemed right. because of their lack of trust in the promises, because of their falling into idolatry. And God is saying, all of you, you just be a stumbling block mm. to what I want to do. And not only that, if the victory came, you get the applause, right? Right. You get the victory. And so I think it's, I actually never thought about that when you said that. They're like thinking, yeah, you know what? You're right. I'm just going to go. Yeah. Well, praise the Lord for that. Right. Yeah. Praise the Lord for that honesty and for that integrity where you can, where you can say it. 
yeah, maybe I'm not ready for this. Yeah. You know, maybe I have to leave. And I, I've always just really appreciated God's kind of open door policy where obviously he he wants everywhere. It, it says that God's desire is that all men would come to repentance. Amen. You know, so he, he wants everyone and the door is open to everyone. But the door is also open to everyone after they've come. People can leave. You know, God never shuts us in. And I think of the... Um, the story of of Christ in John chapter six, when you know he's just fed upwards of five seven thousand people, and he he has, you know, what to the Romans looks like an army, you know, it looks like this great insurrection, and and for many of the the Jews, they see this Messiah as this great military leader, and now is the time when we're going to go and take what's rightfully ours, and it's as if Jesus says every possible offensive thing to them. You know, he talks about eating his flesh and drinking his blood, and he's trying. It looks like to push them away, but I think what he's actually doing is exactly what God wanted Gideon to do here: is he wants them to know if you say that you're a part of this movement, that you're actually here for what it is. Amen. Like when Judas came and Jesus says, well, foxes have holes and birds have nests, but I don't even have a place to sleep. Are you sure that you want to be a part of this? Are you sure you're ready for this kind of sacrifice? And when he's at the end of that chapter and he turns to his disciples, this is after everyone that has just sat around because they got fed has decided to leave. They, they, they don't want to follow this man anymore. Jesus looks at his disciples, his closest, and says, would you leave too? In other words, he says, to the 12 that have followed him and been with him up until this point, if you guys want to walk away, you have that option. And I just, I love that God is is so loving that he's willing to let us go. He's willing to, to, to let us go home and, and turn away from him because the kind of service that he wants is one that truly comes from the heart. Yeah, and it's it's interesting because when I hear you speaking, it's like, most of them were there for the bread and the fish. That's right. Right. That's all they 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 were preoccupied with the things of this life. Yeah. And Jesus is in Matthew chapter six verse thirty verse thirty as she says, uh, "Are you worrying about what you're going to eat, mm. what you're going to drink, what you're going to wear?" Right. And he says, "Those are the things that pagans worry about. Mm. I want you to seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. Yes. So it's putting purpose, mission first. Uh, yes, it's important what, what we're going to eat. We have families. We, right. we want to feed our families. We want to have a roof over our heads." But at the end, God says, I got all that. Right. That's not the biggest worry we should have. The number one worry is, is my life in line with your will, mm. Lord? And, and so we see uh, this, this shaking, right? Right. The shaking in the sense. And when I, when I look at uh, the disciples especially, uh, they also had, going back to the first point, where they, they, they didn't think they were much too, right? Mm-hmm. But Jesus then puts these promises in their hearts to where, when he tells them, and I think this is beautiful, when he tells them, when Peter says, where else am I going to go? I've had that experience too. Yes. Because sometimes I'm thinking, uh, you know, I've had issues in the church mm-hmm. and I, I've had issues with, with something. And then I go, but Lord, where am I going to go? Right. What, do I, what would I go back to? Yeah. What, what else do I have in the world? And I think it's important. You talked about how God leaves that door open. I think that's the beauty of it because sometimes we try to hold people in the church mm-hmm. and their mm-hmm. heart is not there yep. and they up doing worse. And, and Paul talks about this. He says, listen... If, if they're living in the flesh, let them go. Yeah. Let them go. Why? And I think I can relate to this. You know, I was, I was a, a depressed, suicidal, and it mm. wasn't until I hit rock bottom that I looked up and gave God mm. uh, the opportunity right. and, and gave a full surrender. God is love, and the essence of love is freedom. Mm-hmm. 
But the picture that maybe the world has presented, and even sometimes in the church we make this mistake, this picture of that, you know, God is, he wants this and he he, he demands this and mm-hmm. he, no, God doesn't demand anything. Mm-hmm. God wants everything to be out of a recognition of who he is, right? right? God is not just great because of what he did, is of what, what he does. God is great because of who he is. That's right. And that's manifested through what he does. And that's why it says, when I'm lifted up, I shall draw all to you. God wants us to see the beauty of his mm-hmm. character, to be drawn to his goodness, to his patience. I think that's the beauty of it here. We see in this story how God is so patient with, with uh, Gideon, yet he knows what he's going to do with Gideon. It would be the most demoralizing thing for any general for over two-thirds of their army to just walk away and admit that they're just not up to the task. But Gideon is not discouraged. Far from it, actually. He knows that God is with him. And even with a depleted military force, he's ready to go to war for God and his people. 10,000 soldiers remain. But God is still not satisfied. And so he decides on another test. As the people approach a riverbank, God initiates an assessment to see once and for all who is really ready for this fight. As they reach the water, God informs Gideon that it is only those that bring the water to them that can go ahead. Those that plunge and dunk their heads in a desperate attempt to quench their thirst are proving one thing and one thing only. Their focus is not on the battle. It's on themselves. And so the weeding begins. These that say, they're not afraid. Mm -hmm. They're probably solid soldiers here, right? But what I see with them is that I think it's presumption too on their part. Mm. They're probably thinking, oh, we're great soldiers. You know, the odds were 12, 13 to 1 now. They're thinking, we can still do this. And so... God then has to now first take out the fearful ones and now take out the presumptuous ones. Mm. Now take out those that are depending on their own military savvy, maybe their own military experience, and says, no, I don't want these either, Mm. right? Because again, in some way, shape, or form, they'll become an impediment. Right. When I've I've thought about this before, you know, why in in the Spanish, it says it very interesting. And in in the same way in English, it says, those that, that get on their knees and drink, when we think about getting on our knees, sometimes you think that's a good thing. Right. Why don't you get on your knees to pray? Yeah. Right. Uh, but it takes me back to the story of Daniel chapter three, mm. where everybody got on their knees, but for the wrong reasons. Mm, wow. Right. And so they were worshiping at, at, the, at, the, at the throne of self, at the throne of, 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 in that case, it would be Babylon. Right. But here, it seems that they were, by getting on their knees, what it's, I, I found a representation of is that they're not worried about it. Mm-hmm. Right. I, we talked about this. Dogs, dogs are, are never relaxed. Right. Dogs are always on defense. They're Anxious. always in alert. Yeah. Even when they're drinking and they're eating, they're like looking around. Don't don't take my food. Right. And so when it says to be like dogs drinking water, that means that you're vigilant. You're on high mm-hmm. alert. You're paying attention to your surroundings. By letting go of these other soldiers that that were left over, they're probably just saying we can relax, right? Mm. So they're they're pretty confident, these yeah. guys. I'm, I'm surprised, actually, at their confidence. Right. Uh, and then God says, mm-hmm. no, too many. Mm. Too many. I need a, a remnant. I need a core group that is mm. not going to depend on their own military strength and experience, but that's going to depend completely on me. Yeah, and I love that, that God has multiple tests. 
Like the first one, he basically, he allows us to self-examine. He allows us to look within and say, is my heart really here? And to some it's not. And so they leave. But then after that, the test is a test where it's it's subconscious. He doesn't tell them beforehand. He he just he sees how are these people gonna gonna behave, how yeah. are they gonna act. And so whereas in one side we are self-examining, in the next test, it's God's examination. Yeah. Where he says, Okay, now I'm gonna tell you if you were truly ready or not. And what this really speaks to, I think, is the fact that um, to work for God, um, not only do you need to have the faith that God is going to work through you, but you also need to have the focus. Amen. Your mind needs to be on the work. You can't just be like, oh, yeah, God's going to do it, and then just lay back lay back and expect it to happen. You actually have to be ready, willing, and able to go ahead and, and, and understand that this mission is is the greatest mission ever given to mankind. We're talking about not resting actually against flesh and blood here. These are spiritual battles. And so we as a people, we need to be vigilant. We need to be on point and ready, as you said, anxious almost, awaiting the attacks of the enemy so that when he comes, we're there with our faith, but we're vigilant and we're yes. ready. And any any spiritually, any small slip up and we can easily fall right mm -hmm. back and default into the flesh. Uh, as I was hearing you talking, I was reminding of the story of the rich young man, mm -hmm. right? He comes to Jesus and he says, hey, what what, what do I need to do right. to obtain eternal life? And it's interesting because Jesus goes through some of the commandments, but he doesn't mention one of them. Yeah. He doesn't mention the one of coveting. Right. The and so he says, oh, honor your father, love God. And he's like, I got it. Mm -hmm. He's like, check, 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 check. Then he leaves the last one out. And then instead of telling him what the commandment is, mm -hmm. as you said, he presents the test. He says, now go give everything that you have for the poor. Right. That was the coveting part. Yeah. Boom. And that's when his heart was revealed. So if he would have joined, and that doesn't mean that, you know, we, we know the, the issue with Judah and that, but his heart wasn't there, mm. right? He was still focused on himself. And it, it proves when he says, what do I need? Mm. What do I need to do to have eternal life? Right. Well, again, it's pointing to, hey, the attitude and I think most of most maybe because of the just the way the culture is you know tell me what I gotta do I need to write a check to go to heaven do I do I need to do x y how can I make it to heaven mm. and God is trying to show us again in this spiritual battle and in every spiritual battle it's not about what you are gonna do it's about what I'm going to do through you and with you and so once we learn that part of it and that's why we have all these tests of faith that's when God then says, now I can use you. Mm. Because now you know that it, you're dependent on me in every way, shape, and form. Amen. Amen. And so uh, it's interesting also, another part that's very interesting is that Gideon, when after God takes these away, he's still doubting. Mm. But he doesn't say he's doubting. I like how God says, uh, you know, I want to show you something further down in the chapter. Uh -huh. And he kind of says... Uh, are you still afraid of mm -hmm. going? And so we still see, despite this, I mean, I would be, I would be terrified. Let's be honest. If I have three hundred people and I see an army of one hundred and twenty thousand plus, I would be dread. I would yeah. be. That's a suicide mission. Exactly. That's what it is. And so I think I like what you, the word you say. God puts us sometimes in suicide missions, mm -hmm. and that just means the odds are so up against us. It's like there's nothing I can do. Yeah. And I think that's the experience that the the, uh, the disciples had. Mm -hmm. Remember after Jesus was crucified, mm -hmm. they, before that, they were thinking about how, 
who's going to be the greatest? Who's going to be the... And Jesus is trying to explain to them the gospel. Right. And he's like, listen, I'm going to die after three days and this. And they're like, yeah, what, 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 what cabinet position am I getting in this right. kingdom? And then after he dies, what happens? They're, it says they're all afraid in, in John chapter 20, 19. They're all afraid. Why? Because they had placed all their hopes on this, on this uh, political figure that they mm -hmm. believed Jesus was going to be that. When he's taken away, they've lost all hope. Mm -hmm. And they're, they're afraid because they're coming after us too. Right. And so what happens? Jesus then shows up at that worst moment and he says, now, now I got your attention. Now you're ready. Now you're ready. Now I'm going to have to explain to you in 40 days what I was trying to tell you for three and a half years. Mm. But now you're ready because your heart is there. So I can imagine that, that quick Bible study review and Jesus is like, this is the mission. And that's what happens when uh, the shifting part again, because it says, remember, there were, there were hundreds, but only 120 mm. stayed in the upper room. So we see the same shaking episode of God, how uh, it's not about quantity, it's about quality. Yes. And and in, and I've tried in my life also to apply this to be like, Carlos, it's not about, you know, how many times you've preached. It's not about how many maybe seminars you can take or, or how many classes you can take. The whole focus and the whole purpose is, God, how do you want to use me? Mm. Where do you want me to go? And sometimes we try to preordain or we try to pre pre-order uh, this is what I need to do to serve God. And God is like, no, 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 no. Have your list. It's not a problem to have a list. But put that list under God and say, God, where where do you want to lead me? What do you want me to do? How do you want me? Because the best place is to be under God's complete guidance and surrender. This story is just further proof that logic is not God's priority. Faith is. You may not understand why God is doing things the way that he is but his track record has been bettered by none. Your job, my job, is to choose to trust that he who has never failed us before will not fail us now. When we come back, we'll see that sometimes there's more to war than just victory and defeat. I'm Dean Cullinane, and you're listening to Why They Did That. For nearly two decades, AFCO, the Amazing Facts Center of Evangelism, has been helping people from all backgrounds learn the practical skills about how to seek and save the lost. And now, it's getting even better. Amazing Facts is taking our comprehensive three-month training program to the next level at our recently constructed Word Center facilities. This new in-depth outreach training program distills the very best of more than 50 years of Amazing Facts evangelism expertise into a dynamic educational experience. This special training program, presented in partnership with Weimar Institute, will equip you to become a better soul winner, Bible worker, missionary, health evangelist, and all-round disciple. Also, AFCO's expert staff is gonna help you put your new training into practical use by doing an overseas mission trip where you will conduct your own two-week evangelistic seminar. You'll gain real-life experience while winning souls to Christ. AFCO is all about learning while you're doing. While training at AFCO, you'll learn how to be a better public speaker, how to lead small groups, and how to utilize the latest technology to dynamically present Bible truth you will learn how to confidently share your faith with others anytime, anywhere, while at the same time 
developing a vibrant personal devotional life. You can even earn college credits during this session. So if you desire to be an effective soul winner and to develop lifelong friendships with like-minded people, then contact AFCO now because there's going to be limited space for this life-changing program. Our next AFCO on location training will start August 19 through November 20th, 2021. For more information, please go to afco.org. That's A-F-C-O-E dot O-R-G. A Christian without a Bible is like a soldier without a sword. You can't win a battle like that. So we would like to introduce you to Humble Lamb Bibles. Humble Lamb's goal is to present the Word of God in a way that compels people to read it and thus connect with God more intimately. They make wonderfully crafted premium Bibles filled with cross-references, beautiful annotations, and many more built-in study tools. In addition to their King James Lion Bible, they are now excited to offer the new King James Shepherd Edition in a variety of beautiful colors. And get this, for every Bible they sell, they give another Bible away for free to those who can't afford one. And you can actually get 20% off when you use the code WTDT when you check out at HumbleLamb.com. The battle is over. They've won. God has proven himself all over again in another miraculous victory for his people. But isn't it interesting? Isn't it just the truest truth that it's right after victory that we seem to be most vulnerable? The purpose of trimming down the squad to less than 1% of its original size was so that no one would be confused that this was the work of God. Not an army, not a general, not Gideon, God. And that happens with us too sometimes when, when God gives us great victories and we try to play off the humble, right? Oh, no, no. Oh, you're sermon. No, 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 no. Praise God. Right, yeah. Right? I see it sometimes when people sing. They're like, oh, oh all the glory to God. Uh-huh. But you see there's, there's, a, there's, a, there's hidden behind that. Right. There's like, I don't want to be king, but, you know, I, I, it is thanks to me right. that I got. I yeah. think that in the previous chapter, he says that... Uh, that we're gonna fight for the Lord and for Gideon, mm. and I've always thought I thought that was interesting. Why, why, why you have to put your name in there? <laughs> right. Just give it to the Lord. Yeah. So, uh, despite that, we still see how the, our, our flaws mm. are still presented, and still one of the beautiful things is that God still uses us. Despite right. That. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, he's used me in, in in a number of ways that I've been like, wow, Lord, I'm so selfish, mm-hmm. right? Uh, why? And He's Again, it's him and his and my mercy and knowledge. Gideon didn't think he was up to the to the to the to the battle. Right. Gideon think he was gonna, but God said, "But this is this is what I want to do yeah. with you, and I want to use you in this way." And so, I know it's gonna be there's gonna be stumbling steps and there's gonna be uh, impediments personal that are gonna, not gonna let you think that you can. But again, just watch me work right. and continue to build until this part comes. Isn't it interesting though? Like how often um, we have these kind of like Elijah experiences, you know, where we're on top of the mountain and and calling fire from heaven and God is just 
demonstrating his power through mm -hmm. us over and over. And then before you know it, we're, we're down in the valleys, you know, running from Jezebel. My friends and I, we would always go to camp meetings in the summer and, and we would have these, these spiritual highs and we would, you know, you start making promises to God and you're like, God, I'll never be like that. And I just want to follow you. And I just want to, you know, um, the world behind me, the cross before me, like, you know, and, and you're in this place. Um, and there's a lot of emotion, but mm -hmm. a lot of the time your heart's really there as well. You're gen, you're genuine. Mm -hmm. But then the question is how, how do you keep that, that fire going when then you, you go home from the camp meeting and you go back to everyday life where you finish the evangelistic series and, and you finish the preaching where like, you know, that God has had to use you every day. Yeah. But now it's, it's back to the day by day. And so often after these moments of victory comes the, the severest trials. Yeah. I, I, I like the, it's interesting. I'm hearing you talking it and I'm thinking revival and reformation mm -hmm. in what way? We're revived. You were revived in the camp meeting, right? right? You're excited. You're like, yes, my purpose, the Lord. Then you go home and you could fall back into the same routines if you want to, mm. or you can reform. Mm. And you can say, what are the things that I need to do now to keep this up? Right. So I'll give you an example. Uh, last year, uh, I, I was, I was uh, seeing that there were things in my life that I, that I was kind of, I wasn't growing, mm. right? And I was a bit frustrated with myself. And there are things that... Uh, that I was in certain positions where I could have ministered in a very specific way and I mm. didn't do it. And I got so frustrated with the Lord. I went, I was in Puerto Rico. When I came back, I, I, I the burden was in my heart. Lord, uh, uh, you're calling me to take the next step. You're calling me to have a deeper walk with you. So I could have come back home and just fall back into the same routine. But you know what I decided to do? Me and my wife, we said, no. One thing that the Lord has been calling me to do for a long time is wake up at three o'clock in the morning. Wow. Right? Because I'm... In my past life, I used to, I was, I was an owl. I was up at night in the party life. And then when I became a Christian, still, you know, I'd go, not really late, but I was the type of person, if I got to be at work at eight, I'll get up at 7.55, right? <laughs> and brush my teeth and run. Right. But seeing the example of Jesus, seeing these examples, I'm like, okay, God, you're calling me, you're putting this desire in me to have a deeper walk with you, to have a deeper surrender. So I have to change something in my life. Mm. So what did we do? We said, okay, we're going to take the two or three hours sometimes that, you know, when you come back uh, from, from, from work or something and you know, they're just, they're lazy hours. Sometimes you spend some time in the word, but sometimes, you know, it's just relaxing. Mm. Why don't we take those two or three hours sometimes and put it in the morning mm. and dedicate that time. And so we made that decision to reform that, that way of living. And brother, it has been uh, this, the greatest blessing. Wow. It has been the greatest blessing. I wish I would have done this earlier, early in my mm. life, but we're seeing the results. It's just waking up, not having to run, right, to the study of the word. Oh, I got because I got to do this. It's actually spending that time, and it's that it's that revival mm. where God. We have that revival experience, but the purpose is for us then to put our minds to it and say, "What are the things that I need to reform so that I can keep yes this this ongoing experience of of connection where I know that God mm. is speaking to me in a powerful way." And and I I think what you what you've said is really important because. Just on a, on a very practical level, you know, if we're talking about being on fire for Christ, the way that you light a match is not the same way that you keep a match lit, you know? And mm -hmm. so we have these experiences where we are on fire for God, but now there needs to be this element of, of preservation, you know? How do I actually keep this going? And I, I really think that without being intentional, as you said, about making 
choices and, re and reforms in our life, naturally that, that fire is just going to be extinguished. I think that's kind of the vibe that we get from Gideon here, mm -hmm. where he's had these great experiences. He is on fire, um, but unbeknownst to himself, that light is is getting dimmer and dimmer and dimmer as as he starts to, instead of just continue to give the glory to God, he starts to to take it to himself. Yeah, I, I it reminds me of the story of David too. David never lost the battle. Great warrior. Mm. And then he gets complacent. Then, you know, he doesn't go to war. You know, he gets a little lazy. And this, this all points back to spiritual, right? Mm -hmm. uh, and all of a sudden, then... He's starting to open up to some of the things that the flesh that if he would have been preoccupied, focused on the works of the Lord, he wouldn't have fallen into. Right. So it's it's very important. I know, I know that sometimes it's difficult, but I'm I'm a routine person. Okay. I need to be in mm -hmm. routines, right? Because because I'm, I'm I I have a tendency to be lazy. Mm. I have a tendency to 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 fall back. And so what I see here is that Gideon, as he's saying, no, I don't want to be king. But then he's saying, but hey. I don't want to be king, but in a way, he's like, maybe I want to be priest. Mm. Or maybe I want to get involved. You know, God just used me in a powerful way. I know God doesn't want a king. But hey, let's let's come up with this with this, uh, with this this idea here and find a way that we can connect with God. Mm. So it seems that he's trying to find a way, but he's, again, and this is where not only is the heart important thing, but it's also the method, right? right? We need to know how to relate to God. Mm -hmm. We need to know how because we just don't come to God in any way, shape, or form because then we can fall, as happens here in idolatry. Idolatry is rife, not just here in the story, but in our own lives. Before he went to war, God was trying to teach Gideon and his people that the whole purpose of following God was so that he himself would be vindicated was so that God could be proven right. And the numbers were cut down dramatically to less than 1% of what they were so that man would not take the glory that was due to God. But here we find Gideon doing just that. And it's in these moments of self-sufficiency when our eyes are taken off the goodness of God and we reflect on our own apparent beauty that even the greatest of angels fall. You see, idolatry is at its absolute worst when we make statues of mirrors. Gideon dies and the children of Israel go a-whoring after other gods. That is his legacy. The battle was never against the Midianites. It was a battle against self. It was a battle of faith in God over faith in man. The reality is that sometimes we are so preoccupied with the physical victories that God has given that we're actually just setting ourselves up for serious spiritual defeats. I remember one time when, when, uh, when I come to Amazing Facts and, and, you know, God had previously told me, he says, this is what I'm going to do with you when I was maybe one or two years in in. Uh, in the church mm. and he said I'm gonna you're gonna work for Amazing Facts you're gonna wow. be a, 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 a Hispanic the Hispanic speaker and I'm like no please you're crazy when after five years of preparing and then being here and then they actually gave me the call it's what I, I kind of identify with Gideon it's like oh wait 
you know, Gideon asked for a sign. Mm. Well, there's, I didn't ask for a sign, but God showed me a sign. Mm -hmm. And he said, this is what, what I'm calling you. I never forget when I was in my first, before you go out and actually do a, an evangelistic series, you go for like a training series. So we'll go where a, an experienced evangelist is and I'll be with that evangelist for the whole month. Wow. You know, like a discipleship, mm. follow him. And I never forget as I was sitting in my hotel room, uh, this was in 2014, I remember it's in Louisiana, New Orleans. Mm -hmm. and, and I'm preparing because I'm about to go to Guatemala in a wow. month to do a series. Now I've preached on, on a church and I've done a youth week, but I've never done a full blown three, four, five week series. Right, right in another country where wow. there's going to be hundreds and thousands of people watching. And this fear just overwhelmed me. Mm. I just, I started to cry like a baby. I started to cry like a baby because I'm like, God, how are you going to use me for this? Mm. Right. This, and, and this is despite all of the things that I have already seen God do for me. He's given me these victories, but he put, I, I was put in this position and I just started to cry and I felt overwhelmed. And that's when this one promise just was sealed in my mind, amongst other ones, but it's Isaiah 41.10. Carlos, do not fear, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will always help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. I've, that's, that promise has been seared in my mind because whether it be that I don't think that I can obtain it or whether it be in the sense that, uh, you know, again, I, 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 I tend to default to laziness, mm. right? And so sometimes I'm just like, ah, I don't want to do it. And, and I'll just use an excuse. I can't do it, right? So I don't want to do it. Yeah. And then God is like, I, when I see that verse, Isaiah 41, 10, God's like, Carlos, shut up. Shut up, get up, and go. Right. I know you don't see how it's going to happen, but I need you to trust in me. Mm. And that, that experience in New York City uh, in those five years and then being an evangelist for Amazing Facts, that has showed me to trust in the Lord. And mm. there are many times where I'm like, uh, I, I don't, God, this is impossible. Mm. So Gideon is sitting there and he's looking at an army of almost 150,000 people. And he's mm. looking at who he has next to him. <laughs> and then with 300, and he's thinking like, this is never going to happen, right? right? But God says, walk, mm. right? Go walk, put your, like the Jordan River, put your feet in the water, trust in me and watch it, it happen. So, there is, there's so many aspects of the life of Gideon that I, I relate to. And then the part of the fall, right? Mm. I mean, I can go through a number of situations where God, I've come through this great, great victory that God has used me in a powerful way. And then immediately I fall back uh, into whether it be doubt, whether it be uh, some way of the flesh that I was trying to avoid. And and so I, I one of the things that I think we talked about was how uh, with Gideon, it happens. You 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 wonder whether Gideon was saved, mm, right? Yeah. You had mentioned that. I thought that was an interesting point because I never thought about that mm. before. Uh, we presume that he probably is, mm -hmm. right? Uh, but at the same time, you wonder, wow, God let that happen. Yeah. God let that happen, and it's right here in the in the Word of God. Mm -hmm. It does it doesn't close saying Gideon at some some point in time like David. He had this great prayer. Yeah. Right. Um, and I thought that's just an interesting point because we can we can learn that despite our failures, God is going to look at us and say, yes, where your heart is. And then did you put yourself in a position for me to work with you? Mm -hmm. uh, I see in Gideon an example of myself because I don't want, and this is now, this is the warning side on my part. My greatest fear is that because of maybe my laziness or maybe because of my lack of faith or whatever it is, 
I don't live up to that potential. Mm. I don't live up to what God is calling me. And then I have the problem of what Gideon mm. did. Uh, I fear that. And I, and that's that probably drives me every day to when I wake up. The first thing I do is say, Lord, I put all my plans at your feet. I want you to, I want you to have complete control over me, my mind, my heart, my my resources, everything that I am, because I want to make sure that at the end of the day, I don't want my story to end like Gideon's, to where they're like, oh, Carlos was faithful, but yeah, this is what happened at the end. Again, not not judging Gideon, sure. but I don't want that to be my story. And and then I think I'm like, wait a minute, why am I so worried about if I'm going to fail or not? That's selfish. I should be worrying about is. Am I living the faith that God has called me to live? Am I completely surrendered? And I think that's that should be our focus because when we when we start to worry about results, it's natural, it's human. This, this, and that. But at the end of the day, I then fall back and I say, no, wait a minute, God, this is not about what I'm I am capable of doing, but this is what I'm about letting you do in me and through me. And so I think that's that's one of the struggles. That's probably my greatest battle is to stop focusing on me. When we pray, you know, sometimes we're so self-centered mm-hmm. in our Christian walk. Uh, and instead of being self-centered, it's about being God-centered. Mm-hmm. Yes. 95% of our prayers are about what I want. Mm-hmm. Well, how about we switch 95% of our prayers to what God wants yes. and make it God-focused, God-centered. Where, God, are you leading me? What do you want me to do? I think if we do that, we'll see our life similar to Jesus, mm-hmm. right? And that's the whole purpose. The purpose is, or the focus is, I want to live the faith of Jesus Christ. He that hath an ear, let him hear. And you've just heard our latest show. If you'd like to hear more or hearken back to a previous episode, you can find us at whythedidthat.org. We would love it if you could subscribe at Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. And if you could go as far as leaving a review, that would be amazing. You can follow us on your favorite social media accounts, Facebook or Instagram, at Why They Did That. And of course, YouTube, where you can actually watch this episode now as well as listen to it. So make sure to check that out too. Finally, if you would like to support this podcast and keep it running, please consider becoming a Patreon at www.patreon.com forward slash WTDT. This show was produced by the supremely talented Paul Keefe and the video editing by Jonathan J.J. Jensen. And a special thank you to everyone else on the Why They Did That team. Once again, I'm Dean Cullinane, and you're listening to Why They Did That.